All right, we are live shooting the shiz at Dylan Broda here, and I'm going to get Starbuck, the rebel himself, on the line. Uh, just in a sec, he should join us. We are going to be talking about AEW's Beach Break, which happened uh, this, uh, I guess, yesterday, uh, Wednesday night. This is a Thursday, if you're listening to this on the recording, the good old recorder. And... Um, if you're listening to us live, then uh, yeah, thank you for being with us. I'm going to share this good old podcast uh, on Facebook, Facebook. When I was in Japan, nobody seemed to understand when I said join us on Facebook, and they got it when I said Facebook. So that's a good little Japanese story with my band went over there. Um, yeah. It's Starbucks. He should be. I think he's getting some grub. We had a really good and uh, tough training tonight for Slam Wrestling Finland's boot camp. Sweat and bumps and nice and good wrenches of the arms and legs and some basics at the beginning uh, just to get us ourselves warmed up. But uh, yeah, this training, three-hour training, boot camp, uh, twice a week we do on the regular at Slam Wrestling Finland. And, uh, yeah, and it's a great way to get in shape. It's also a great way to uh, learn the real deal art of pro wrestling. And the one who knows all about that is the Rebel Starbuck. And I believe he is with us on the line. Buckaroonie, are you there? I'm hanging, I'm hanging on the line. All right. You're hanging I, I on just the got, line. I just got lined. I just got lined. A clothesline. Could have been. Maybe I got li lined uh, the other way, like the, oh. the virtual way. All right. Okay, anyway. Uh, mm, what's up? Yeah, we're, talk we're talking beach break today, aren't we? Yeah, beach break, and then I guess the, the Royal Rumble's coming up on this weekend. So uh, we will uh, chat about that. Chat I'm just going to be firing this over to, this over to uh, Facebook so people can uh, join the link if you want to chat i was just chatting about um uh, the uh, boot camp training and uh, how it's really great to go back to the basics doesn't matter how long you've been in the business the, that kind of stuff shouldn't be overlooked and uh, well i'm sharing this if you don't mind uh, telling people your perspective as uh, one of the best uh, and brightest trainers out of europe well, I mean, basics, I mean, it's the same thing with like, if you play rock and roll, you know, or if you play any kind of music, but the thing is, if you can't do scales, like if, if you're a guitarist per se, and if you don't know how to play scales, whether it's pentatonic or whether it's, uh, you know, diminished or whatever else, but you're going to have a pretty hard time putting together cohesive, uh, a co you know, like song because it's like, what key is this in? Right. And yeah. if, if you don't, if you don't know basics in like pretty much everything, whether it's finance or whether it's uh, whether it's construction work or whether it's uh, pro, you know pro wrestling or whether it's uh, any other MMA or or Budo style like martial art, I mean everybody starts from the foundation and you build a house from the foundation up. So you know in in weightlifting for the longest time, you know everybody who who knows their piece of business and weightlifting or whether it's like you know any kind of weight training whatsoever um there are basically i would say four fundamental moves 
you know, if, if we just break it down to the nuts and bolts. And all of them are multi-joint exercises, and they are the pillars of uh, the, 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 the house of hypertrophy or the, the, you know, the human body's musculature. And these are foundational fundamental moves and movements, and they are the bench press, the squat, the deadlift, and the overhead press. And um, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're in body fitness or if you're in bikini fitness. I don't care if you're in classic bodybuilding. I don't care if you're in heavyweight bodybuilding. I don't care what you're in, powerlifting. Um, in every single aspect of physical training culture, you cannot work your way around um, the importance of these moves. And they are all fundamentals. Uh, because that's how you build a strong body. That's how you build muscle mass. It's it's just the way the body works. So um, once again, whether it's uh, pro wrestling with the fundamentals there, whether you have to learn footwork, uh, groundwork, chain wrestling, catches catch can, uh, placement, whatever else. If you don't know this stuff, you ain't worth the the the, the tights that you're wearing. You just there ain't. you go. There you go. That's a good statement there that um, I think, you know, it's funny uh, while learning pro wrestling uh, at, um, you know, at a relatively basic level for me being only uh, doing it in a way professionally for under two years. Uh, I have just around 18 matches under my belt, which um, for Pretty living good. and wrestling in Finland, yeah, during a pandemic, <laughs> uh, I've been uh, definitely lucky to get that kind of experience. But uh, I will have, I would say that um, it's sometimes really interesting when watching some of these, let's say, super indies or uh, even um, – you know, when you watch AEW Dark or uh, when you watch NXT 2.0, there's a lot of, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm at all anyway better than these people, but, uh, and I would probably make way more mistakes, but it is interesting to see the mistakes of, you know, while I'm in the middle of learning these things, uh, all of a sudden, those kind of things just pop out glaring at me, whereas uh, before I probably would never have even noticed. Um, and, it is interesting that you know people who are on live, uh, syndicated, uh, worldwide network TV that are making those mistakes. And uh, I mean, we talk to the greatest trainers in all of the world who are uh, peers mm -hmm. of yourself, and uh, you know, and and those guys. I mean, they they see it all today, and and one of the things that is weird to me at the moment, um, and we've talked about it a bit is back in the day, as they say, back when I was uh, getting into pro wrestling. So it would be like, um, I guess when I would start to remember, you know, early 90s. And yeah. um, the, if you wanted to be a professional wrestler and get on actual, like, uh, properly on TV, didn't yeah. even have to be live. But I would expect at that time, you most likely would have had to have about, what, 10 years experience? You know, the maybe if you were just going to job or something, be the local guy. But I think even those local guys, they, they would have had to have some kind of proven track record that they can go in there and they're not going to embarrass you. 
Um, so well, well, the thing is, if, you, if you're an enhancement talent, you do realize that like uh, back in the day, uh, AKA jobbers um, or the squash monkeys, you know, the thing is that that is an, that is an art form unto itself because you have to make the star look good. You have to make mm. their moves and especially their signatures look really good. And if you can't pull that off, I mean, yeah, that's the whole thing. If you look at the very few times that nowadays on these larger platforms, like whether it's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or then AEW, but if you look at the placement of the so-called enhancement talents, just on AEW now, it's like I was thinking we could actually maybe even do a watch along or something, or at least a, a couple of the matches from this beach break. Whether it's uh, the latter match we could do with like with Cody and um, and Sammy Guevara, and then maybe we could do that. Uh, I guess it was the main event of the show, but it was uh, Orange Cassidy against uh, uh, Adam Cole. But uh, the, the, my point here is this: that Wardlow had this one two-on-one squash match right the handicap match on this thing yeah and i happen right, to watch yeah. it i happen to watch it today and i'm thinking to myself that like now if you put like these jobbers in uh these guys took pretty decent bumps for the guy i mean they were taking like the the, the power bombs and whatnot so but you know even the couple of the couple of big bumps right right in the beginning of the match. Yeah, you know, they, they took yeah. them pretty good. They took them pretty good. Yeah, the um, shoulder tackle. The guy yeah. just just flew. Yeah, definitely exactly. made Wardlow look like a powerhouse for sure. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, so like once again, the 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 uh, politically correct term, I guess, would be enhancement talent, and the wrestling term for it is jobber. So, um, the jobber took and enhanced Wardlow. That's what he did. Um, but you need somebody who can do all that shit. You need someone who can really bump and who can really feed. And if you don't have somebody who can bump and feed, you ain't going to have a very good jobber who's going to make you look good to make it mean anything. So, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing. Like, nowadays, if you look at some of these people on AW Dark or whether you look at some some of these people, even on the, on the, on the other shows like this NXT – Oh man, they've had so many like, and even the ones that they're pushing as "quote unquote" stars or new stars, and you look at them and you're thinking to yourself that like the, even the Tiffany Stratton girl that they debuted on NXT, you know, the the daddy's yeah, princess, yeah. you know, Beverly Hills, whatever. She was the drizzling shits. Her vignette, mm-hmm. her vignettes, and and her packages, you know, that built her up. They were like, you know, she looked pretty hot and everything like that. And you're waiting to see, like, who is this chick? Uh, once she debuted, it was like a wet fart in church. It was, it was mm-hmm. terrible. And she's been off TV since. Well, <laughs> debut match, and she ain't been. She has not been seen since. Think about that. It's it's interesting because I have heard now the grumblings that um, the WWE producers, at least, I'm not sure if Vince McMahon watches NXT, but they have not been actually happy with the uh, with how it's done in terms of ratings and new uh, new audience eyes. You know, so it seems to have you know be consistently under six hundred thousand viewers. Um, there's no, it's not growing. There's no real new audience. audience. People aren't really getting um, attached to these new characters. Um, It's generally, yeah, it's generally getting an overall. uh, Well, as we've we as we've said, I mean, occasionally you have some really good matches on there, and uh, 
I mean, you can point the finger at who's in those matches to really get an idea. I mean, when you have yeah, Tommaso yeah. Ciampa or Roderick Strong, let's say Roderick Strong versus Walter there or Gunther, whatever we're going to call him these days. But uh, that match was good. I mean, really good for a, a TV match for sure. But you, we know that Walter and Roderick Strong, they know their craft. Roderick Strong has been working... How long has that guy been out there? You know, for maybe close to 20 years. Uh, Walter as well, 15 or so or plus, I don't know. But it yeah. um, brings me back to, you know, when those enhancement talents or even the, the guys debuting, let's say in WCW, you had guys debut there. And yeah. when they would debut on the undercard, they would even be talked up. You know, they'd still be talked up by uh, Bobby the Brain and Tony Schiavone and and uh, Mike yeah, Tanay and whatever, and right. uh, they would have traveled the world, done the journeyman deal, been in Japan for tours and over to Germany and across and under and over and in ECW, and it almost seemed like you you had to prove yourself, hone your craft, and then you get um, when almost like you're trustworthy enough that you're going to do business right then you could get the TV. Now, in WWE, we know that they're kind of, they don't want this journeyman anymore. They, they want to mold their people from the get-go, from birth, basically. Um, but then then uh, AEW, that's where I'm, I'm a little bit like, um, sometimes weirded out where they have somebody who, you know, and they, they caught lightning in a bottle with that hook. But then again, you think hook, he comes from a lineage, the guy... He gets it, obviously, but um, you could go wrong because w- remember David Flair, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is that you have people who uh, debut in uh, AEW and they might have had one, five matches under their belt. You know right. what I mean? And they're debuting yeah. on live national uh, worldwide, even TV or even on the dark programs. Um, and that's what I'm not so sure about. And I get it that they want to have homegrown talent and everything like that. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I think everybody seems to think Darby Allen and MJF and Sammy Guevara are kind of quote unquote, and, and uh, Jungle Boy, you know, quote unquote, um, uh, homegrown talent. But they also uh-huh. have worked for quite a few years. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe Jungle Boy, no, but uh, at least he's been doing it for for a little bit, um, and he's uh, he's really passionate. But um, you know that that kind of thing, uh, you can tell why MJF is is so good. You can tell why uh, Darby Allen, you know, has a certain thing because they have been doing it over and over and over again in front of live crowds in dingy rooms, and you know, going all over the world and trying to get better. Whereas when somebody just kind of steps out of the factory and, uh, you know, has their kind of uh, practice match in front of uh, a live, big live, you know, 5,000 people or something, that's yeah. where it gets weird to me. I'm, I'm just not sure that that's the way to do it. But uh, either way, well, it's, you know, it's, those it's are not the way to do it. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's that's my whole point. There were back in the day, like the guys that were the jobbers in the NWA, like the top jobbers, right? You had guys like Mike Jackson. He was a former NWA junior heavyweight champion. Did you know that? 
when he was a I jobber yeah. around 19, yeah. yeah, 1986, 87, he had transitioned like once his like best buy date was done and, and he still wanted to work for the company. Uh, his role was, was basically, you know, morphed to getting other guys over. So he became like a jobber, but he was like a glorified jobber because the thing is he could still work. So he'd like still get some moves in and shit, but he'd always be on the short end of the stick. Um, the same went for a guy called George South. Now, George South just came back to the NWA. If you watch on YouTube, the NWA uh, USA show, you'll see a guy called George South, and he's got to be very much in the about the same age range as the Rock and Roll Express around maybe probably 65. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and so the thing is that this guy can still go and he can still work and he can get other people over and make other people look good at – you know, and, and but he learned his craft as a jobber. Mm-hmm. This is the whole thing. Um, and, and it, you know, if you look at WWE or WWF back in the day, they had a, like Iron Mike Sharp. You remember him? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, Iron Mike Sharp, before he was a jobber, he was somebody. He was actually, he was, he was a profiled wrestler. Maybe not that high up the card, but still he was somebody. He was not always considered to be the jobber, but once. The, let's say 1985, 86, 87 rolled around 88. Um, the, the relevance of, of Mike Sharp on the cards, you know, it's like they had bigger stars and they had bigger fish to fry. So he, if you want to still have a job, uh, you, they're going to drop you down the ladder and you're going to have to get somebody else over. And that's what happened to Mike Sharp back then too. And, and he assumed that role and that's what he did. He got other people over. He'd get a few blows in because he was a big guy. You know, he'd, you know, do the hammer fists and the, the big forearms and shit like that. But still at the end of the match, he's always looking up the lights. Same thing, Barry Horowitz. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, Barry yeah, definitely Horowitz. Yeah. Horowitz. Yeah, Barry Horowitz, probably the most famous jobber of all time. And maybe and, that and, the the yeah. uh, the Brooklyn Brawler might be in that pile as well. I don't know. If, well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is that at least Brawler was brought up for a second to the, the Bobby the Brain Heenan family too. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, so, yeah. So at least they they kind of like made him, even though he's a stooge, but still they they tried to do something with the guy. So, but still, I mean, I would say Barry Horowitz is one of the most famous jobbers of all time. You know, from that golden era, and. uh he was damn good at getting other guys over. He like he was somebody. He was a guy where like when he came on, he still looked like he could, you know, he was he was pretty competent. You know who else is a jobber back in the day? Tell me. And this is this is surprising because the thing is we talked to him a couple of times here on the on our podcast, Rip Rogers. Rip There you go. Yeah. yeah Rip Rip in WCW. In the in the NWA and WCW, especially WCW, uh, around 1990, 89, 90, and, and, and 91 and shit, he was a jobber. He was on TV to put the other guys over in like three-minute matches. Mm-hmm. That was his role. That was his role. When he wrestled for Bill Watts, you know what he told me when he was wrestling for Bill Watts Mid-South? He said, Bill told him that if you try to get over, I'll fire you. Really? Yeah. He said, well, "Because it makes sense. Get over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're yeah. if you're assuming you're, that you, role, you know, yeah, that's the thing. If that's your spot on the card, it's not your job to get over. It's your job to put somebody else over, make somebody else shine, and they're counting on you. They're counting on you to do that job. 
So that, you know, th- this is the whole thing. So the, like nowadays, when you look at the people who are jobbers in NWR, sorry, uh, even NWA, I mean, I'm sure they have, a, you know, their, their own jobbers there. I haven't really watched. But um, if you watch NXT or, or AEW or whatnot, and you look at the people that are doing the jobs, you know, it's it's like they aren't really, they're just like wrestling school students. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Especially on, uh, I guess, AEW, they like to use that um, the Nightmare Factory guys. You know, that's I'm what sure I'm saying. Uh, yeah, loads of people students. come out of there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, they're not tenured people in the business who know how to make somebody else look good, who know how to go in there, feed somebody, uh, bump for somebody, be in the right place at the right time, uh, sell to the point where that like the, the, the important things make sense. They aren't like in that position to do that kind of job. They are putting their kind of like, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire because the thing is like they ain't ready yet. But still, mm. that's their job. So, yeah, let's let's move on with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's basically the idea was what I was getting to is that uh, this uh, strange idea that you can put wrestling school students into a into a rather important position almost makes that, you know, enhancement talent placement seem kind of a less valuable um and not respected as much as it really should be um but either way um i remember uh, where you were telling me once that you even had a a chance to be some kind of enhancement talent at some point in time is that true yeah that was 1995 i i recall 95 96 uh, Scott Demore, who runs Impact Wrestling now, um, he was the guy out of Canada, out of Western Canada, who was the in charge of booking the uh, jobbers um, for the WWE superstars and then the WCW Saturday Night broadcasts. Mm-hmm. So the he would he would work with uh, Chief Jay Strongbow. Uh, that was his hookup for the WWE. And and for uh, I think it was Dave Penzer, the the ring announcer for the uh, WCW part of it, and there was a bunch of guys that went, and uh, you know they would get you know paid more than the the, the stars would get paid. This is the funny thing that back then uh, the jobbers got paid better than the stars for mm. the TV broadcasts. Because the thing is that the stars are the ones that are going to go on the road and they're going to like, that's where they're going to make their real money in the matches that count. And the, the enhancement matches are just for TV to get them over and to get their movesets over. So that's why the jobbers got paid more than the stars did mm. for those, for, for, for that WWE superstars, for example, back in the day. Now, the funny thing is this, I got some heat for turning it down, but you know what my logic was? Because the thing is that in Canada and, and also like in the northern U.S. Uh, around Michigan and whatnot, because that's like bordering on um, on Ontario's border, uh, so where I was working at the time, uh, I knew that if I would go on nationally broadcast syndicated television, and if I would like just be made to look like a like a complete squash monkey uh, for the big boys for the big stars. Um, my market value on the independence would more or less suffer because mm-hmm. people would look at you and they would see that ah, this is the same guy that just got killed on TV. Why should they? Why should when when the show comes to when the indie show comes to town, 
Why should they care about you? And I know this is a really touchy subject because the thing is, I mean, some people, you know, that, that some guys in the business that hear this probably like think like, who the fuck do you think you are? Uh, you know, that uh, you think you're too good to do a job or whatever. It's not, that's not the point. That wasn't the point back. The point is it's not, a, it's not a question of doing a job. It's a question of getting squashed. And, and the thing is that I, don't, I didn't see the upside for my independent profile if I was going to be the guy getting squashed. Mm. So I turned it, so I turned it down. I got some heat for it, but I mean, looking back still, my career turned out pretty good. So <laughs> I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, there's, it's uh, not very often when, when the uh, enhancement talent actually, um, you, you know, it's kind of a use it once and toss it away kind of deal. And, you know, and there are those, legendary ones that we talked about but almost as though you know again it is like a an art uh, in unto itself that enhancement guy because you don't get the glory and generally it's almost more difficult like you said if you're seen constantly getting just squashed and i think maybe back in those days it might have been even more difficult um but you know, then again, you know, you, you of course never know, course but, never know, but I get, I get I the get, idea get that the... you get heat, but then, you know, I, I still, def, I still, uh, understand why you would turn it down because there, there are those definite risks, especially when you're making money on, uh, on a scene that, uh, of people who do watch, of course, if you're going to go to independent wrestling show, you're also probably going to be watching the show on TV. And, um, but anyway, Beach but, but, break but from yeah sorry yeah yeah let, yeah let me just say this and the, because back in the day when if you would go and do those jobs by the way just to close this subject but if you were if you're going to be one of the, uh, the the enhancement talents one of the jobbers back on either WCW or WWE uh, tele, uh, televised programming you got to realize they shot several weeks of TV at that same filming at that same taping in front of that same crowd that that crowd was there for several hours watching squash after squash after squash and then just to wait around for, you know maybe at the end of it all hulk hogan would come out and do the main event mm-hmm. you know but so that they would be treated to to like four hours or whatnot of just like squash after squash and that's why they had what they called crowd sweetening so they would sweeten the crowd noise if you look at the crowd and if, if you listen to how it comes across on television people are yelling hollering screaming and shit like that and it sounds like you know there's there's a lot of heat in the house but if you watch the crowd they're sitting on their hands where's all mm-hmm. that where's all the where's all the excitement coming from who's cheering because it sure as shit ain't those people in the audience so it's that's where they that's where they sweeten the crowd noise just to get it over but the thing is that you got to realize because they shot several weeks worth of TV at that same taping, that means that you go in there as a jobber. You don't just go put in, uh, like, put over a guy like Ahmed Johnson once, like in the 90s. You, yeah. No, yeah. You, you would be putting over several, you'd be doing several matches in the same night on the same televised a taping like as a, as a jobber going out time after time. The same crowd would see you like three, four times during the course of that night. So the thing is that that those were all like for, for like weekly television for the next month. Yeah. I'm sure it's a good payday, but uh, you know, it does, it does sound also pretty risky for, for your, like an independent career. 
I mean, well, that's my whole point. That, that's my point where the, like, if, so if you, let's say if I went and did those jobs for WWE back in the day, if I would have gone there and been that squash guy, it's not just people seeing me then afterwards doing one squash match. It's them seeing me do three or four. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole thing over the period of a month. They might see me every week on TV against another big star getting squashed. And that has a very big risk factor in taking down your market value. Because the thing is that with that said, even guys like Edge and Christian did squash matches. They they got killed. For example, Edge got killed by Kevin Sullivan on WCW Saturday night. He was squashed. Did you know that 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 should, that match actually exists? Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I, I know that there is a few a few guys that uh, did those enhancement things that eventually uh, got the luck of the draw and and you know did actually get the careers in those companies. But uh, I think you know. Owen then again, I I, th- I think Chris Benoit did Owen Hart. I think like mm-hmm. a lot of these guys, they they did like one. They went in there and did like one job, like a like squash type of thing, where they would like just really put somebody over just to show that, that you know they can do business, and that there's no ego involved, and that's where like they test you, you know, like in that way. Yeah, uh, I totally get that idea, especially if they're if they're one if they're thinking about we're going to bring this guy in and and Willie, uh, can we work with him? So yeah. Yeah. You know, there there's a lot of uh, facets to the whole thing, and then in WWE as well. You know, you can do a, a job as you know Tim Smithers, and then uh, they think, hey, all right, you know, you passed the test. We're going to repackage you as like Thor the Almighty, and uh, yeah. you know, you'll just go out there with a helmet the next day, and uh, all of a sudden they expect everybody f- to to forget that you were that jobber. jobber. Um, and I guess and people I- did back in the day because. Um, you know, there's no internet. The the independent scene wasn't all over YouTube. So, so you know, guys like you know, Dan Housing like that, that, that we got uh, showing up in AEW Beach Break there uh, last night, which um, half the crowd had no idea who he was. And uh, then the other half of the crowd popped the crowd really hard. So that's one thing with the beach with beach break. Um, it's one of AEW's kind of I don't know what you would call it premium live events that you don't have to pay extra for. It's a live TV broadcast over here um, in Europe. You have to be subscribed to their service, but um, it's not any kind of pay per view deal. Um, but either way, in, in terms of a, a like a, a live televised wrestling show. There was a lot of high spots, uh, and then there was kind of these, kind of these, well, things that didn't didn't really pan out very well, at least for me. Um, no. I would say that, uh, like, we can start from the beginning uh, and kind of go over this show a little bit. But um, the latter match has been raved about by quite a few people. Um, I'm thinking we could actually do a watch along of that, like on this show. Sure. Um. And uh, for me, anyway, the, I thought the ladder match was uh, spectacular in terms of uh, the stunts. Um, mm. There's a few people who said they thought it might might be the might. greatest ladder match they've ever seen. And I think that in terms of stunt-wise, there was some pretty nasty, pretty bumps. nasty bumps. But then in terms of wrestling, terms psychology, of wrestling there psychology, was a... There was a 
a few times that kind of like bothered me, you know, in terms you take a gigantic bump, sell for a few, you know, 20 seconds or so. And then, then all of a sudden you're popping up and, you know, going full force again. Uh, But I understand, you know, in terms of that crowd, um, they they want to see that kind of in and that's a lot of that indie rific uh, deal where there's it's really higher risk and you got to think that those guys are hurting so um and then in terms of the main event which was that lights out match i kind of wish they wouldn't have called it this lights out match yeah. because uh i think the only reason for using that term is that it's like an unofficial match so um adam cole can take a loss and it's not on his record. Um, other than that, I mean, I thought it was okay for a kind of garbage match, but uh, I just really had a hard time getting into it. I don't know if you, have you seen that main event? No, but, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but the thing is, have you seen the meme floating around in the, in the last day? The, no. the, the one, because they, they did that face off just to do like for the show itself. But, you know, they showed them on the beach, right? Face to yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, back in the day for uh, WCW used to have a pay-per-view called Beach Brawl or as a beach, beach blast. I think it was. Right. Uh, and I think it was 94, 95. Or was it? Was it? No, no. Sorry. 90, 93 or 94. Uh, they had. Sid Vicious and Big Van Vader as a tag team, and they they went up against Sting and Davy Boy Smith. Right, mm. it's it ninety three, um, and they did a thing for this Beach Blast pay per view where they they filmed Vader and uh, Sid walking down the beach with Harley Race in their wrestling gear. Right, right, and and, and now they parlayed. It's it's like all it's a meme right now on the, on the social media, but like whatever happened to wrestler like wrestlers and wrestling? You look at guys who are the size back in the day, the size of Vader and Sid, and now you got guys the size of uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, mm. and Adam Cole, and it's somehow the visual it's just it's it's absurd when you it's because the thing is that it's okay. Granted just under 30 years you know ago but with that said what has happened within 30 years mm. it is a, it, a it, weird question yeah like the where where did all the big guys go and, and this is the funny thing it just like it i was speaking today with somebody about this that uh they tested you know that well, first of all i have to say that you, you do realize that there is a, a new category of, uh, of males nowadays, quote unquote, uh, that is, uh, that goes by the name of soy boys, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you heard about this, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. anyway, anyway, they, they've done, um, they've done these like tests regarding testosterone levels that they tested 25 year old modern males and check their T levels. And then they uh, referred them like as far as they, 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 they compared them to uh, the testosterone levels from 30 years back that what the reading was, what they got, that, that what, what age demographic of men had the same T levels as guys at the age of 25 now, 30 years ago. 
Do you know? Do you know how old the men were that had the the, the same T levels thirty years I'm wait, back? I'm waiting for it. Seventy. <laughs> Seventy year old men, thirty years back, had the same testosterone level as men today at the age of twenty five. That's fucking scary, man. It is weird, and like, what? What do you? What? I mean, there's got to be a bunch of theories and ideas and and conspiracies and all all the likes, you know, railed up to see like what is the real deal uh, reason for that kind of thing. And uh, I wonder if it's uh, like in terms of, you know, is it country based? Is it one of those things where in the United States it's uh, it's like heavy like that, or is it in Europe? Uh, still the same thing or Japan or you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how far that kind of statistic stretches. It would be really interesting. I, I know it's almost probably a very you know, near impossible thing like survey to do, you know, with the Russians or, yeah. you know, Norwegians yeah. or whatever. But, you know, there's that classic meme of, um, you know, Swedish Swedish men back in whatever what, what what would it be like 1395 or something like that? And there are these Viking uh -huh. huge guys, you know, yeah. and then, uh, you know, Swedish men now, and they're, you know, dancing in a nightclub, <laughs> you know, these, Oh, I guess in that way, you know, the similar, uh, size of this, uh, Adam Cole and, uh, orange Cassidy. And I mean, we, we both agree that, uh, Adam Cole, for example, is uh, one of the best uh, has been anyway, one of the best, wrestlers uh on tv for a while i mean the guy's got loads of charisma he is uh the way he moves is super smooth and um you know is of course granted he's got a, a good opponent and and things are lined up well like like everybody but he he's quite good and we all always said and everybody has said that you know if that guy was just just a bit bigger yeah. man he would be huge i mean he is a big star there's no doubt about it He's over like crazy. Um, but then again, and then you look at Orange Cassidy as well. He's a he's a really small guy, like weirdly small, skinny. But then he's yeah. over too. He's over too with their crowd. So, you know, I don't I don't blame them for yeah. using those guys uh, in the in that kind of main event capacity because they are over. What I will uh, say that's kind of weird about, especially this beach break, really uh, pointed out to me was that mm. it almost seems, and you, you said this already, that the, uh, the heavyweight title, the main prize, the most important prize in pro wrestling almost has taken a back seat right now. And it's, yeah. it almost seems like a mid-card title. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It feels like Hangman, Hangman Page had that just absolute fantastic, uh, you know, duet of matches with uh, Brian Danielson. Yeah. And he was like on top of the world. Everybody was the holy shizat, this guy can go. And, yeah. uh, and then where did he go? And now he's against Lance Archer in some Texas death match, which I'm sure is going to be lackluster. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be hard hitting and, and whatever, but I've seen Archer. He's doing these te Texas death matches quite often recently and tried them in New uh -huh. Japan a few times, yeah. actually. And uh, to be honest with you, I think he's doing those tex Texas death matches to kind of just do something because uh, what he's what he's got going on isn't very interesting. He doesn't have Jake the Snake with him anymore. Like, yeah, he does. I don't know. Yeah, he does. 
He does. Yeah, he does. Okay. But the, but but the thing is, like, this is a classic example of of failed booking because if you think about it, um, I, we talked about this before, like on on our podcast here. But the thing is that, like, in classic wrestling booking psychology, is this that you have an upper tier, and then you have like the guys that are scratching the upper tier, like they're they're upper mid card, but they they can be elevated to upper tier any time if the the right position the right situation comes up then there's the mid card and then there's the lower card or the undercard right um the thing is this that when you have a star and WWE is guilty of the exact same thing but for years and years and years they've had like let's say you got a guy like Roman Reigns on top now and you haven't really built anybody for him as uh like the next let's say you can't say that there are like clearly two or three guys like scratching at the surface of that upper upper tier that that can like break open that main event level at any time and they can they can they can like go up against roman and they'll be viable because that they 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 should have been clearly built up in that way that you can see it coming and it was just the was it a year ago or what it, was it the other year the about two years ago but at that one Royal Rumble they put Kevin Owens against uh, Roman Reigns and everybody knew Kevin Owens ain't gonna win nothing nobody believes because he hasn't been built up they just put him in there because they had nobody else and that's the whole thing like now with the booking the way it is you know Brian Danielson he got hot he was there for like about just under 20 matches. And then they put him up against uh, Hangman Page. And rightfully so. The guy's a star, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is that they should have, if they weren't going to give the title to Danielson, then what they should have done is they should have had foresight or, you know, like they should have been wise looking towards the future. And they should have seen that, okay, we're not going to switch the title to Danielson. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the next guy waiting in the wings and we're going to build him up steadily so that he's going to be hot once that, you know, once we transition away from Danielson. And the thing is, they didn't have anybody hot. They just had Lance Archer sitting on the sidelines, but he wasn't hot. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the whole thing that in wrestling booking, you need to be able to build around certain key players. And that's why you need a tiered system. That's why this 50-50 booking bullshit and and like featuring everybody doing all that they know how to do. In other words, that you put them out there for 10, 15 minutes. You say, go and steal the show. Everybody go out there, steal the show. No, that's not your job. Because the thing is, you can't build stars that way. Because if everybody's special, then nobody's special. Mm-hmm. So what you so what you need to do is you need to pick and choose that. Okay, who at this point is going to be my upper card guy or guys, and why are they there? Is because they have a skill set that can that you can count on to carry the upper part of the card. So therefore, you're going to have an upper card like tiered system. Then you're going to have your middle card because the thing is, you know that these guys, even though that they can they can bump all right, uh, they can they can still do the the the, the main part of the 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 work that needs to be done. Um, but they're not quite at the level where that they have that superstar appeal. So therefore, 
uh, you're not going to push them as main event guys because the people don't buy them as main event guys. And that's on them. It's because the thing is that like these guys, they have to mature. You need the time to mature. So therefore, that's why they're in the mid card. Until the people choose that we're going to get behind this guy, then you start to bring them up because at that point, they are ready to be elevated. And then you need the lower card to get over the guys on the mid card. Because if the guys on the mid card can't beat nobody, then they ain't worth nothing. So you need the tiered system. And now in, in, in AEW for the longest time, they've had the problem of undistinguishable booking where you'll have guys like Joey Janela go up against guys like Kenny Omega for 30 minutes on national television. And who are you pushing? You're not pushing Janela. So why is he doing 30 minutes? Why are you allowing him to be even Steven and be competitive with a guy that's supposed to be like one of your top five guys for 30 minutes? It makes no sense. That's their problem. Yeah. Uh, and they have slowly kind of stopped doing that part, although they still yeah. do it to a degree. But uh, I, I would say that they're, they're definitely not as bad as that stuff you're talking about. And I, I have a feeling that they had, they, they thought that Janela, especially like that's a very classic case that he had much more value than he really did in the end of the day. And yeah. um, I was just talking to a friend of mine uh, in Canada, and he was he's a huge wrestling fan and big AEW fan. But he was uh, we're talking about uh, some of these contracts that are now coming up for AEW, and he was just saying that at first, when uh, you know Janela was signed, he was actually kind of pumped because he heard all about this daredevil, crazy lunatic, you know, guy on the Indies who would do anything, and he was like really interested to see. What's this guy going to be like on a kind of national uh, TV level? Yeah. And um, and he said, once you've seen two of his matches, there's no point to watch him anymore. He does. He's yeah. too stuck in the backyard. He's too. Uh, nowadays, he's he's gotten in way better shape. I'll give him that. But he has this like sloppy backyard um, approach, even though he's been around for a hell of a long time. I don't know. Is, is that because, know, is because uh, that's his thing? You know, is that mm -hmm. like his style that he wants to portray? Well, I don't think it works on TV. And I, I have a f feeling that AEW are not going to renew his contract now. They might no. keep him on the back burner, a good relationship relationship, because I think he has a, some kind of ownership with that GCW that's doing really, yeah. really well in terms yeah, of yeah. Um, money right now. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to hurt him, um, mm -hmm. but I don't think that they're going to use him anymore. I think somebody like a Sonny Kiss is going to go as well, yeah. and uh, I'm sure there's going to be uh, a list of names. But you know, you got to give in in one way AEW, uh, maybe Tony Khan, I don't know, the credit for allowing the people to, you know, he signed them to that deal, so he's mm -hmm. honoring the deal, and I, I think that that's the way to do it. Uh, rather mm -hmm. than WWE signing them to a deal and then just like cutting it, you know, releasing them uh, immediately. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
either way what what were we talking about but uh yeah this this kind of the style of giving too much to guys and and i 100 percent agree with you that where the heck was lance lance archer and all of a sudden he's the next challenger whereas they constantly talk about how adam cole is the number one contender no and um so i think that they've got a bit of a lapse in logic there plus you got a guy like miro who has had some really great matches. He was in that tournament. He's disappeared. He's apparently walking around in limbo doing these really weird vignettes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that they kind of, they they could have built him, but maybe they're saving him for later. But I'm, I'm really kind of not sure as to why you would go with Lance Archer when you haven't had him on TV. I, I see this as a transitional match and where it should be anyway you don't need to you know make, build this one up super hot but it could have mm. been you know in the back burner that there's archer just slaughtering people every once in a while and on a on a you know total tear and then all mm. of a sudden here he comes out to challenge for the title and you're you're absolutely right so i, I it is and i think that's what makes it seem like who just who cares you know that's the whole yeah it's like you know there's the greatest the greatest good needs the greatest evil to overcome and the thing is that unless you identify with the greatest evil how can you get behind the greatest good there you go yeah i mean uh interesting as well maybe we'll uh dial up for the watch along of uh, beach yeah. break it's the opening well, contest the ladder match between Sammy we Guevara. What we'll do is yeah, we'll, we can, we'll actually okay. cue in right from the beginning because the thing is, I think it just it started literally after the uh, the cold open. So, yeah, they didn't do the entrances. Yeah, yeah. So, folks, uh, we'll give you just a moment to uh, cue in if you have a Fight TV uh, subscription uh, that you just go to your Fight TV app um, and go to the latest Dynamite episode here. That was Dynamite beach 422. Break. There you go. Yeah, the beach yeah. break episode. Yeah. And uh, we'll do the, the, the countdown with the 3, 2, 1 press play now, and uh, then we will uh, punch it in. But um, by the way, I got to say, Dylan, before we cue this thing up, uh, because I have it on freeze frame now, I'm ready to go from zero zero. right? Yeah, I'm ready and, as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. The very first picture that you see is of Miro, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you notice that uh, he's torn his right bicep in this picture? Yeah, now I'm looking at it there. Yeah, yeah, his, that bicep looks really weird. Yeah, it's rolled up his arm. So he is actually, his bicep is snapped. Uh, the, I, the I wonder if that's why he's he's not seen for a while now. Yeah, it could be, but the thing is, that, you know, like when you use steroids, this this happens, right? Because the thing is, the the muscle becomes too powerful, too strong uh, for the tendon, and that's where the tendon gives way, and then the muscle rolls up. You know, it's like whether it's the quadricep, you know, that's what happened to Triple H, right? Remember that mm-hmm. that the quad, the quad tear, right? Or then there's a lot of guys who've had that bicep tear too, but it, it doesn't usually happen to natural athletes. And like with with age, uh, like older athletes, a lot of times, like older guys, the the number one, you know what the number one injury for older men somewhere around the age of 50 is? No. Achilles tendon. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah, they'll okay. snap their Achilles tendon. Yeah, they'll they'll snap it. And the thing is that unless you keep yourself in shape and unless you keep yourself mobile, that that your body is like fluid and and that you're like exercising all the time, uh, you know, you can't just set out on like sudden sprints. For example, you know, at the age of fifty, you're just going to go out onto a, a track and field, uh, you know, you know, uh, like like you know, on, out on the, onto the green. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and start like running for your life because that's how you're going to snap an Achilles tendon. So, but the thing is that with these guys that, uh, that are like otherwise like natural athletes, usually these are not the types of injuries like the bicep tear that's going to roll up your arm um, that, that you will incur. You, these are typically not because the thing is your body never, you never like get to that point really unless you're really stupid with your training where the, let's say you blow out a shoulder or something but this here when you look at Miro's arm on this cold open he has torn his bicep mm. that must be quite odd to uh, wrestle with I mean uh, I guess you can do something but um, that's got to be a bit of a weird situation but yeah, um, anyway yeah so let's, yeah, let's we are at, we're at right at the beginning of yep. episode oh. 4-22 Dynamite Beach Break on the Fight TV uh, Fight.TV network. Um, if you join us here, if you got the old Fight TV, or if you just want to hear our sweet, soothing voices uh, talk about this ladder match for the unification, which is a, also a weird situation with this mm. TNT title. But I guess they yep. had to do something to try to make it interesting. Who knows? Um but yeah, we're at zero 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 at the beginning of episode four twenty two. If you're with us here, Starbuck can do the old counter downer. Okay, so we're gonna do three, two, one, press play now. When I say now, press play. So here we go. Three, two, one, press play now. All right. So yeah, I got, I got my volume on just a bit here so yeah. I can get into the mood. I think we got it right on the dot with each other here. We're nice. So Jim Ross, Jim Ross is here on on TBS. There you go. Let me just turn it down just a bit. Yeah, one no. thing uh, that a bunch of people were complaining about is uh, the idea. Uh, Cody Rhodes basically. I don't know if he had COVID, but at least he was in quarantine and he didn't make the battle of the belts. And I would assume the battle of the belts being on TNT, the network, um, they wanted to have that specific belt defended against. And they decided to do an interim style where Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God, 11 wins in his past 12 singles matches. um, They wanted him to take it because I guess the idea was to have a rematch I'm not so. Uh, does it seem weird to you that he would have lost it, and then a week later was the battle of the belts, and he would have regained no. it, or no, that's or what? Weird. Now, that's supposedly strange. they're making a big deal out of uh, Cody Rhodes, um, where he like doesn't have a working contract; he's just working on handshake deals uh, for for AEW. I have this sneaking suspicion that this is a little bit of a, you know, maybe it's true that he doesn't have a working contract to be a in-ring wrestler, 
in terms of a valid one, but I'm sure he's still uh, an executive vice president of that company. Uh, I don't know how, if those contracts expire or, you know, what's the deal there. But I think that they are purposely kind of, you know, letting this idea float around, especially with this Royal Rumble thing coming up, because uh, I think that they are, um, they are wanting to kind of like, kind of tease the, the idea that he could appear in the, the Royal Rumble for WWE. Yeah, uh, since he has the you know quote unquote no contract, but yeah, they had the nice handshake deal at the beginning of this match, showing sportsmanship, and here they go in a ladder match, uh, and they're going to try to do some actual wrestling. So, what do you think about this uh, lockup here? Good lockup, I like it. Yeah, it's uh, Cody. I don't know why he wears the weight belt though. I have really no idea. It doesn't really add. I don't think it really adds anything to his presentation, but but uh, did you hear by the way that uh, Sammy Guevara, um, or was it Ric Flair actually was talking about it that uh, there's a promoter out of Israel that wanted to book Sammy Guevara against Ric Flair in Israel. Did you hear about this? I did not. Uh, Flair is 72 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that this promoter from Israel, I think I know who it is. Um, they were interested and Flair told him $100,000 and two first class tickets for him and his wife. So okay. he would have done it, but, uh, how do you make your money back on a hundred? Like, you know, I don't care who you are, but like a, well, just one guy on the card, 100,000 plus two, uh, first class tickets. And that's not a, uh, a cheap hotel. You know what I mean? That's, that's going to mm-hmm. be, you're going to put the guy into a, a five-star hotel. So the thing is that, like, that is not going to happen. This, but for that money, are you kidding me? Not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Are you going to make that money back? Uh, it's yeah. Whew. But I, I did hear that Ric Flair had said that uh, he would actually want uh, a kind of like quote-unquote final match with Sammy Guevara because he was really impressed. With him, and you gotta admit the the kid is yeah, that's super small, but uh, a ridiculous athlete. And I really, when he first debuted in in uh, AEW, and that him versus Cody Rose was actually the first uh, televised AEW match, if you remember. Yeah, and uh, he had some panda head gimmick going on, and he I don't know, like his whole presentation was uh, very. I don't know, like pretty ridiculous, and you couldn't take the guy seriously. But nowadays, I think that uh, probably a lot of coaching from uh, Chris Jericho. I think that um, he's really worked himself into a massive crowd favorite, and he's young enough. Um, he's in that way totally okay with uh, taking some really nasty bumps. He's in great shape, um, you know. I'm sure he'll be around for for quite a while and doing some good stuff as long as he stays healthy. So, um, but here we go. He's got the ladder. Cody Rhodes on the outside now. Cody's going for some reason for another ladder up uh, where he could have just taken that ladder that he uh, that Guevara had. Yeah, but uh, either way, you know he's going to set up for a spot here. So. One thing that, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes has 
I, at least from what I noticed in this match, is that he was really in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, right there you could see it. He kind of trying to really smooth over the idea that he's a good guy, you know, telling mm. people, hey, you know, be careful, move out of the way. You know, he, I think he clipped some woman with his boot coming up here uh, mm. in the crowd, and he, he, you know, went and very uh, – watch this over here. He'll go over the top, you know. Maybe he didn't hit her here. Not there. No, but anyway, he came over and – I think he clearly didn't see, didn't hit her at all. But he he went purposely in front of the camera and said, "Are you okay? You know, everything's okay." You know, no. with this idea that he cares about the fans, and I think, I I think it 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 is probably for an American audience. There, there, they love that stuff. Mm. To me, it's a little bit obvious, um, but uh, he's still seeing the uh, the markings of that flaming table on his back. You can see he's still got the burn scars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, wrestling's fake, by the way. So, <laughs> not that we do flaming tables all the time, but this is a, oof, that's a really nice clothesline. And then here he's, you know, high-fiving all the crowd members and everything like that, you know. Oh. Well, I didn't quite get all of that, did he? No, but that's got to, I almost question why you would do that. Uh, I think he hurt oh, himself way, way more than, uh, I think he, like literally, you know, lands on your tailbone or your lower back on the concrete floor. Doesn't make By any way, sense why you would do that. But yeah. I, I, I got to say that like when Sammy Guevara, when he started in AEW, I, I just didn't like him at all. I didn't think that he had really anything special to offer. I thought he was just another one of these young guys. Um, and, uh, I was in contact with Jericho, you know, and, and I mentioned to him that, like, the one thing that pisses me off about Sammy is that back, like, about two years ago, he was, like, always sticking his tongue out. Remember that? He was doing that yeah, stupid, like, yeah. like just goofy-looking, like, poking his tongue out. And uh, and Jericho just said that, well, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. Mm. It's a work in progress. And, and it's you when you look at it, yeah, it has been. Sammy Guevara has been a work in progress and now he's catching on. Now yeah. he's becoming a star, you know? And and the thing is that uh, sometimes you just got to stick with, you know, you got to trust the plan, so to speak, right? And, and uh, the guys that are there, you know, the troops on the field or the boots on the ground, so to speak, the guys that are in the front line that are doing the work, you know, the guys like Jericho, um, they're the ones who are, like you were saying, you know, getting getting Sammy ready. And they're the ones that are coaching this kid up. And that's the whole thing where if you've got people who believe in you and people who are influential and people who know what the fuck they're doing and that they believe in you and that they got the time for you to, to put into you, you're going to get there sooner or later. You will. You just will because the thing is that's what this is all about. You know, pro wrestling, just like any other facet of life, uh, it's – once again, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. And secondly, it's really that you don't break down any doors. Like this whole thing about like, you know, breaking through the glass ceiling and breaking down doors and all this shit. That's what a crock of bullshit. That it, life doesn't work that way. You don't break down no doors like that. The thing is that at the end of the day, somebody opens the door for you. If you're really honest about it, there's always somebody 
that will vouch for you. Somebody's going to stand up for you. Somebody's going to put in a good word for you. That's what's going to get you get you somewhere because somebody else is further in the game of life than you are in that aspect, right? And unless you got somebody who's going to go to bat for you, how the fuck are you going to break down any doors? Because you got gatekeepers who are going to let you in. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are setting up for some one of the first big spots of this match, and uh, <laughs> Cody Rhodes pawing away at the the title there. But here is a, a kind of a deadlift, uh, ridiculously high superplex here, and boom. That's got to knock the wind right out of you, let me tell you. I've taken the superplex off the top rope. I know you have taken probably mm. a thousand of those. What do you think, uh, you know, that kind of impact right there? That's a spectacular spot. Um, you know, you got these kind of matches. How do you how do you progress from there, you know? Well, the thing is that uh, I remember I was wrestling Michael Kovac in September of uh, 2011 in um, in Austria. And we did this match that was probably close to 25 minutes. Uh, I was the European champion for the third time at that point. Um, and in that match, I lost the European title to Kovac, right? Right. Well, there was a, there was a spot. I was I was so tired about 20 minutes in. I was getting like really exhausted. Uh, hadn't eaten all that well that day and this, that, the other. Anyway, and... I was on the top rope and Kovac, he cut me off and he climbed up the buckles. And then he did this power slam to me off the top rope, right? Where he, you know, yeah, yeah. And uh, the only thing is, my the back of my head was the first thing that made contact. Mm. I, I give turned, you some kind of concussion or something for sure. No, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't quite have a concussion, but I was like, that was a fucking hard bump. Yeah. I mean, it, I could have got a concussion from that, but that was a fucking hard bump. And, 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 uh, you know, there's in that match, actually, I, I tweaked my, uh, I turned over my, um, the, I tore the ligaments in my right foot. You know, the, you know, the razor's edge, you know, that yeah, uh, yeah. razor Ramon used to do finishing move. Well, the thing is that, uh, Kovac lifted me up for that. And then I, you know, I was so sweaty that, that I wriggled myself free and I slid down his back. And as I came down, I didn't land flat foot. I landed like awkwardly. So I, I tore all the ligaments in my, in my right foot. Oh man. Yeah. And, uh, after that, I, <laughs> after that, I still had to hit the, uh, the super kick Oof. with, with that right foot that I just tore the ligaments in. You know what I mean? I, so it's like, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, but the, the, you know, that's, that's where like you, the, the mark of a real pro, you know, is, is, is that you will go as long as you can, no matter how hurt you are, as long as you, as long as you can carry your head in a basket, you're going to you go, go in there and, and carry that ball. Because the thing is that, you know, at that, at that moment, still the match wasn't finished. I was still the European champion. doesn't matter if you're hurt, you got to fucking go. So, 
But, you know, be that as it may, I'm just thinking like these top rope high spots or whatever. Like that was top of the ladder a second ago. That was mm. that was still, that was if that would have gone wrong, if he if that if he would have come down in a brain buster position. Could you imagine that from that yeah. height? Brain, brain buster? By the way, th- to me, this spot coming up here was the, the most cringe in, in the way that I right here. Ooh, to me, that's the worst one. <laughs> I don't know, like just looks that like, how do you do that one? You know, that's got to hurt like a bitch and it could really, I don't know why, but that one to me, I just, that makes me wince. Ooh, uh, you know, when I see the top rope, uh, top ladder superplex, you know, that makes me pop. And that, yeah. this one here, when you, when you get uh, scissored inside the ladder and yeah. those rung, not even the rungs, the, the supports, I don't know why, you know, that looks to me like that would just fucking hurt. You know, there's no two ways about it. But um, here's this figure four with the ladder. What do you think about this? It's kind of creative. I don't know if I have I seen this one before, but I guess it kind of stops the guy from having any uh, any way to to grab you. But the the one complaint I'll have here, it's that Cody's been after Sammy's knee Hmm. for the, the match. Uh, for the whole match, basically, from here on, from the beginning. And uh, it seems like the story is about Sammy's knee. You know, is he going to be able to do this high-flying, you know, trapeze act act that he has? Yet, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think it ever uh, comes into play. Mm. He never, you know, I've seen even Young Bucks in Japan, I've seen them have a uh, match where... They worked over whomever's whomever Buck's knee, and he, you know, went to do a springboard and just like uh, the knee gave out and he fell off from the springboard. Couldn't do that Meltzer driver pile driver yeah. thing. And uh, even them, you know, who who don't who don't seem to do much psychology, they they still, you know, worked that in there. And to me. Um, we were just doing the other day improvised matches, and uh, I was beaten down on one guy's leg, and then I sent you know, sent, sent him for a uh, corner to corner. And you were just yeah. saying as well there that like, you know, well, why wouldn't you keep beating the guy's leg and, and this and that, you know, why is he now yeah. running around? You've just been attacking his leg. And here yeah. is what I'm saying, you know, yeah, he's kind of selling the leg there, but, um, but he's still able to do these uh, insecurities and uh, jumping around, you know, it, it just seems like, yeah, you can hop around on the knee Mm. But if you don't, if you don't like uh, have it interfere with your offense, mm-hmm. um, you know, that to me, that's, that's when it gets like really interesting when you have those, mm. you know, in a way they almost seem like a botch because you're botching mm. your move, but you're doing it on purpose because you would, if your knee mm. was blown out, if you, if some guy worked over your knee hard, you wouldn't mm. be able to do a springboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's, but this is, this is modern wrestling for you because the thing is that people's attention spans are zero. And I, I think that if, if you're optimal, um, like, you By know, the they, way, they here's a to, spot, uh, here's oh, a spot yeah. coming up here. This, this worked out super perfectly, but whoa, boom. like couldn't have gone better. Right, yeah. but then if you got a worked over knee, how the hell would you be able to do it? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, spectacular is what I'm saying. Is spectacular these stunts and things like that. How the hell yeah. do you pull that off? 
this whatever cutter off the like leapfrog from one ladder over and just landed ridiculously perfect. I, I got to say that even <laughs> Dan Lambert there in the crowd, even he's impressed. But um, uh, but then again, you go back to the psychology and uh, w- should he have done done that? at this moment in the match. You know, I know the crowd wanted it, but uh, it, that's the that's the hard question, you know. That's one thing I think a promoter like yourself, a guy who's been mm. uh, wrestling for well above 25 years, that uh, this question of, you know, um, do you give the crowd what they want to see or do you, do you make it make sense? Like, which one's more important? I, I think that, like, Jake the Snake once said it rather well. He said that when you compromise your integrity, when you prostitute your own integrity, you realize that you can't get that back anymore. He said it's like it's like being married for 20 years and then telling your wife after you come home after a weekend of uh, drinking and whatnot, or, you know, if you've been out with the boys, you've been partying and said, well, I just got, honey, I got hammered. Um, just, I have to let you know, I have to just come clean. Uh, I never cheated on you in my life. But uh, last night, uh, the guys, they got me just wasted. And um, there was this one midget. And, uh, well, what happened happened at, uh, well, that was a pretty big bumpy crossroads off the middle of the ladder. Yeah, that's a scary bump for Sammy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, the way but, he uh, takes it as well. Yeah, go on. Oh yeah, he took it like a champ. Yeah, it's yeah. That was the angle was pretty damn bad. But still, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but, but anyway, so Jake said that you know, you know, you you tell your wife that you know what happened happened. Uh, I last night fucked a midget. Um, first of all, is she gonna believe you? You know. Hmm. Yeah. He's serious. He fucked a midget, you know? And, and the thing is, like, if she doesn't believe you, it's your integrity is fucked because she ain't going to ever believe you again after that. If mm. she does believe you, you're fucked either way. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So mm. the thing is, so the thing is that once you prostitute your integrity, you can't get it back. Um, and, and that's where, with the thing with like modern wrestling so to speak that maybe people's maybe maybe the people these days they they look for different things you know what i mean maybe they don't care someone oh what is this monkey bar yeah i think this went wrong yeah i think there was something supposed to happen there but they they couldn't hold on to it the i mean that's got to be tough but um what can you do i mean they they got they're they killing themselves here of course uh the the thing that's you know, always interesting to me is you, you kill yourself to a degree, uh, but then in a regular match, um, you know, it, it doesn't take quote unquote much after you just suffered all this crap, you know, but uh, you know, then there's the, the excuses of like, well, were you, you know, you're that much more into it or you got the adrenaline pumping or, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, have you been in uh, ladder matches uh, at all? I did one. I did one ladder match back 2009. Um, not my favorite match. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, it worked out well enough. I'm just saying not my favorite because the thing is I don't like the risk The risk factor. Oh, look at this. So we got Fuego This, this was kind Fuego. of like uh, for, for no real reason here. 
Like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why the hell did he come out? And they're saying, oh, he's his best friend. But, you know, was Cody really being that big of a dick, you know? Yeah. So then he takes this. Took it nice. But uh, the whatever you call it, J Driller or um, Tiger Driver. So, yeah. but yeah. There we go. Sammy over the top rope. Yeah, that's a pretty spectacular um what do they call that? Tope something? Con Hero or something like that? Oh, well, maybe. Yeah. This is yeah. a, actually it looked like a nice GTH. Ooh, looked like he really caught him there. Nice. I showed, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching this today uh, and showed it to my, my buddy there. And he watched that and he put his hand over his mouth because he was like, holy crap. Like uh, yeah. this go to hell or GTH, whatever. GTH, whatever. Yeah. He definitely, uh, it looks so much better than the. The GTS, the go to sleep that CM Punk tries to do these days. But um, here we go for the, I guess, the the really big, super big spot that they're going to do here. Very dangerous. But I guess, you know, they got to do this kind of stuff, you know, when they're promoting this style of match. But again, you know, should Sammy be able to do any of this stuff after having after his knee having smashed and figure four through a ladder and all that jazz? All that jazz. Mm. Well, this is the whole thing. And once again, you, when you, maybe the people today, their, their attention span being zero, uh, with TikTok videos and with, uh, with Instagram video, the optimal length being like seven to 12 seconds nowadays. Um, you know, youth being 15 seconds or then 60 seconds, but still they, they give you the first option for your video to be 15 seconds. Quickly in and out, disposable, fast in, fast out. I think that's where people, they just don't remember what happened one minute ago. Yep. Oh, there's a nasty swanton off the top of a very high ladder. Um the onto Cody Rhodes, who was draped over another ladder and mm-hmm. definitely uh, not much of a uh, cushion to land on when the ladder just doesn't give way. Although, you know, I'm sure that hurt like hell and uh, definitely hurt Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here we go. I don't know how much, you know, if they got a time cue there. Come on, let's let's go home and get these belts down or whatever. Mm. But uh, that was such a huge spot. I remember, you know, the uh, the TLC matches. I, I have a feeling that if you would go back and watch those and they would do mm. some, you know, Jeff Hardy, big swanton off, off a ladder through a table, they most likely would be laying there for mm. a while. You know, but here's Cody now climbing, climbing the ladder after mm-hmm. one of those nasty, nasty spots where he should be incapacitated. That should have been a, uh, you know, a match winner uh, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. But there's nice forearms there. Uh, he takes the belt and kind of <laughs> swats him with it. But, you know, how, how could you really hit somebody hard with a belt dangling from there? But I guess the visual is what it's all about. And Sammy Guevara picks up the win. He is the undisputed TNT champion. So, I mean, uh, you know, 
spotty spot fest of a match in terms of very big time stunt shows psychology maybe not so much there but for this crowd you know they seem to just appreciate and, and love it but um and i mean I, i'm impressed i'm impressed by it but maybe i i do like a little quite a bit more psychology in my wrestling these days mm-hmm. well there you go sammy that was uh they had a, a lot of pretty crazy spots there there we go yeah big superplex that scissor in the ladder that just gets me every time this is just unbelievable that cutter i mean yeah timing positioning body control it's just like ridiculous you know you were just doing those uh roll-ups today like how to get a roll-up going and those are hard enough as it is <laughs> well, you know what i mean you yeah, wouldn't that's... think it you wouldn't think it would be hard at all a lot no, of these no. things you would just never think like how the hell well, could know, that be hard but it is but the, that's the whole thing i mean is they don't call it technical wrestling for nothing you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that it's technical that's the whole that's the whole gimmick but there you go um fuego del sol now clapping away like a baby seal and uh sammy is your your winner how about if we uh, just transition quickly to the uh that the beach blast or beach break sorry um the main event uh with adam cole you want to do another watch along quickly sure uh, i think it's about a 20 minute match or some odd yeah, yeah. So we yeah. can just do that, and then we'll, what we'll do then is just uh, discuss who we think uh, is going to take the Royal Rumble at the end of this podcast. Since uh, we started a bit late today, so I think we're we're going to have a bit of a overrun uh, for the two hour time frame that we're here. So let's go to um, the time queue. Let's go to one thirty. One hour and thirty. No, I think we got to go to one one forty one. Oh, four, yeah, one okay, hour sorry. and forty one. Yeah, yeah, at least. Uh, okay. So let's go to one forty one. Yeah, one second here. So let me just put the pause on at one forty one. There we go. Okay, I'm on pause. So All folks, right. queue up your. Fight TV apps on the same broadcast of AEW Dynamite to one forty-one, one hour forty-one minutes into the broadcast. That's going to be the main event of this show uh, with Orange Cassidy against Adam Cole. Now, let's keep in mind as we watch this, by the way, that in NXT, Adam Cole was the guy for two years. They or maybe even over two years, maybe just over two years. But they they really pushed Adam Cole hard. And the Undisputed Era, uh, weren't they in like three War Games matches, if I recall correctly? I believe so, yeah. You're right. Yeah, so for three years. For three years, he was the guy in NXT. Um, Now, when you think of how well he was profiled there and how many top-notch matches he had in NXT versus how many he's had now and how he's been profiled in AEW. Let's keep that in mind as we watch this match. All right, so at 141, with a 3-2-1 press play now, on the word now, press play. So let's go. 3-2-1, press play now. All right. Because this Adam Cole, this AEW version of Adam Cole, um, an image looks quite the same as uh, the NXT Adam Cole, but 
the way that he has wrestled against guys that are like they certainly aren't on the level of the caliber of the kinds of people that he was up against in uh, for the majority of his run in NXT. And I find that Adam's Adam Cole's stock has honestly plummeted as, as like the image of, of what this guy is like the star value, the size of star that Adam Cole is, it has plummeted. Um, I don't say, I don't think it's rock bottom, but it has gone down. But here they're starting out the fisticuffs and wailing away, hammering away. And, uh, those hockey fight things, uh, I, you know, I've been in hockey fights before and, uh, you don't punch the guy in the shoulder, by the way, that's not going to no, do too no. much. Maybe give him a Charlie horse or something, but, uh, I mean, uh, I would think that these guys would know how to, you know, prop, do a proper looking hockey fight, but maybe it's just because they're not from Canada, so you know they they don't got the idea. Maybe uh, in the United point. States they uh, they punch each other in the shoulders. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of punching in the shoulder nowadays in AEW. Boy, there's so few people that know how to punch like Brian Danielson. That's true. I mean, the guy puts everybody to shame. Yeah, that's true. Does, Very true. That's the whole thing. It's like, you know, that, that's actually really well said, you know, that, that you know, he puts others, the, his peers to shame. And, and that is saying a lot because you can do all the flips and all the dives and all that shit. Rick Flair, once again, going back to Flair here, you know, and, and when I got into the business, Flair was the standard bearer for what we wanted to be for my generation coming up right after my generation and just around that same time, I would say like Shawn Michaels quickly, quickly becoming the, the next big thing, but still like for me and for many of my generation, Ric Flair was the guy. So I'm going to quote Ric Flair from what he said about uh, modern wrestling. And it really stands to be mentioned because the thing is that he has a very valid point. He said that, the fundamental, the foundation. I'm sorry to of, interrupt you here, but this this yeah. uh, is a uh, Cole trying to pull a chair uh, out, and here comes Dan Housing. Oh, look at this! Now, if you don't know who this guy is, I'm getting a uh, buffering thing at the moment. I don't know if you are as well. No, no, but, I, I got. It. I'm okay. All right, okay. Well, keep her going. But Dan Housing is a. Uh, he was in Ring of Honor. Uh, and oddly enough, he's one of the highest-selling um, wrestlers on pro wrestling tees and also uh -huh. with these um, pro wrestling kind of cameo style, you know, kind of uh, you, you pay for one of the wrestlers to send a message, you know, to yeah. your buddy or whatever it is, this cameo yeah, deals. I've, I've heard them. I've heard them, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the top-selling uh, guys there. And... Um, uh, where are you at, by the way? I just had a buffer issue. So, what is your time? Uh, let's see. I'll take a look. We are at one forty-four point four five. All right. Tell me when you get to one forty-five. We just yeah. Okay. So I'm ten seconds away. All right. Ten seconds away from what? So five, four, three, two, one, one forty-five. Boom. All right. All right. So yeah, but I was saying about Flair, by the way, um, that yeah. he said that the the at the at the very crooks at the very foundation of what we do, if you can't punch and kick, 
that's what really like the fight aspect of pro wrestling boils down to punching and kicking if you can't do that well um you can't do this job because the thing is that like you could do all the wrestling moves and shit like that but like in modern wrestling if you think about it and the projection of a fight at some point the wrestling breaks down and it becomes a fight because that's when the heel starts getting flustered and it starts picking apart the babyface or doing like cheap shit to anger the babyface and that when the comeback happens that's when the fists start flying, right? Especially then, because even dur- during the heat, the heel has been like pounding the baby face with with like either kicks or blows or elbows or punches or what what have you. But the thing is, especially in the comeback, we we return to punching back. You know, you could start the match with with the uh, wrestling uh, with chain and, and with uh, catches catch, but the thing is, it's going to break down to a fight at some point. And if you can't do that part of it, then what is it that you're doing? Mm. that's where flair had a really good point a very valid point at the at the very base of what we do in in addition to to the chain wrestling and the and the mat wrestling and all that shit you have to know how to punch and kick you have to yeah and i mean if you think about it um if you're in a fight and yep. uh you want to kick somebody you want to punch somebody you know yep. you're uh, a lot of people, and I think you've said this before as well, so I'll, you know, basically steal it from you. But, you know, there's a lot of people who have been punched in the face. There's a mm. lot of people who know what it feels like to be punched in the face. And there's, of course, a lot of people who don't as well. And there's a lot of people who have felt what it feels like to punch somebody in the face or the body or wherever. So mm. when you see some somebody do these quote-unquote wrestling punches – uh, and I heard Al Snow say this a few times that it's the fakest thing in a wrestling match is the wrestling punch, quote unquote. And mm. I, I have to say, you know, as we saw those hockey fights going on there, I mean, it's true, you know. And if you get really, I got properly punched in the face uh, by uh, Mika Forstrom, who is a a boxer here in in Finland. Uh, mm. And he has won quite a few matches by knockout. And I goaded him so bad, and I was trying to teach him a lesson again, you know, that uh, I'm going to win by disqualification. And he had mm. used those fists so many times, and I heard the, you know, talk. But I got punched in the face, and uh, maybe I maybe I got slightly knocked out. But either way, I caused the DQ. But, you know, getting punched in the face, in the face. it's not mm. a fun not thing, a fun and it's thing usually and something that, uh, that when it lands properly, it could very well end a fight a match you know uh so i think this is one of those things that you that a lot of people don't at least a lot of wrestlers don't seem to realize you know when they just go in and just punch and punch and punch and punch and punch and it just never ends and then the guy comes back and punch and punch and punch and punch and if those punches don't look good Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're taking people way out of the equation here, and and they're just gonna watch it as a, a fake fight. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, talking about uh, garbage, um, we got the. Um, I never really liked that uh, spot with the super kick with the oh boom. That's a nice backstabber, by the way, with the chain. I got to do that one. Hmm. But. Uh, they, you, I never liked to you put the trash can over somebody's head and then like kick it, you know, or or something like that. For some reason, it 
it always seems a bit weird that the guy would just, you know, sit there and let the trash can get put over his head. But yeah. anyway, um, it is seeming to be like kind of a popular spot. But uh, there's Orange Cassidy going under the ring here for something. Adam Cole posing just to the crowd. That- I just think that they, they debuted Danhausen with that spot under the ring just a moment ago, right? Mm. So the thing is that like so what's what's the next program for Adam Cole? Danhausen? You know, and, and I don't he know. didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't do anything. He's another one of those guys where it's kind of perplexing to me. He's big time character based. Somehow his character got over really hard. I actually don't know too much about him. I haven't seen much of his work at all. Um, but he's a, he's a very thin, skinny, probably very athletic, uh, wrestler mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. He is, he is a big deal on in the Indies, but, you know, of course, uh, I think that, um, Jericho might even be a big fan of him. Oh, that's a nice, uh, I don't even know what you'd call that, but it's kind of a, like a neck breaker, suplex neck breaker on the knee. Yeah, that could go wrong could as go well. Wrong but as uh, well, but... but I guess that Dan Housing as well. Like since you just mentioned him now, I kind of already forgot that he was there. To be honest with you, yeah. so kind yeah. of an odd debut to have somebody just kind of slide out from under the ring, holding a chair, and then just walk away. Well, that maybe that's his thing. It's <laughs> ineffective. It meant nothing, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, is because mm-hmm. it, it it had no it had no bearing on the match. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Mitchell you know, driver right, on the chairs, chairs there. Yeah. At least you know, I'll give uh, Cassidy uh, this. Um, he has been really selling his hand. Uh, you know, he tried to grab the chain and he couldn't do it because his hand was hurting. Um, and when he did, goes for this pin from this Michinoku driver, he tries to hook the leg, but he ca- couldn't do it with the hand. Now he's definitely, of course, when I say that, he's about to do a Superman punch there with the hand. But anyway, um, but at least he's selling that that hand has been uh, squashed and smashed, you know. Mm -hmm. Adam Cole's signaling to the back now. I think we're at the similar point, are we? Oh, here, Brandon Cutler. Oh, my goodness. What a terrible shot from the back. Did you notice yeah. what? Did you notice exactly what happened there? Oh, look at here we go, mm-hmm. Bobby Fish. But but the thing is that oh, that was I'm not even going to explain that. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go into detail. But that that was terrible a second ago. Just horrible. Yeah, yeah. This is not. This is unnecessary. It's not just. This unnecessary. is just to get guys on the show. You know. To yeah, be that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. It's just to remind people of uh, who's on the roster. Yeah. These are the. The the people that are featured, yeah. I guess you got to have this schmozzy business, you know. But uh, look at these! I mean, there's so many people that can't punch; they can't do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's the most fundamental thing when you got to do these hot brawls. And if you can't throw hands, I mean, you got no business. Is 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 you don't do anybody any favors. Ooh, well, that that Superman oh, punch coming up there, that looked pretty that, good. That looked pretty good, yeah. Now Orange Cassidy's yeah. Superman punch there with a with a hurt hand. Uh, he did a re- he does you know for Orange Cassidy being who he is, he 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 fires up really. 
that didn't really work out. No. Well, yeah, he hit him right in the back of the thighs where he hit him. And, well, now Cassidy took something Maybe out of his thigh. Thumbtack laced cup that they didn't really show much to the audience or to the TV. But anyway, kind of a ridiculous idea, but uh, now he's back to the Cassidy mocking kicks here. This is the only time when these kicks are actually apropos. You know what I mean? Like when somebody's yeah. down yeah. at that point where like they can't answer back and then you do the lazy kicks. That's mm. the only time. Oh, Panama well, well, you know. Yeah, isn't it funny that they've made the Panama Sunrise a transitional move? That they even a move that that's that like that that big. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden became just a near fall rather than a yeah, like it, a yeah exactly. It became a transitional. Finish. Yeah, trust me. In about within the next sixty seconds, Adam Cole will be up and running ropes again. And the weird thing to me is that uh, it seems backwards, in my opinion, that he does the boom that knee knee to the yeah. back of the head. And yeah. to me, that that should that should have been because that's a it's a nasty looking one. Whatever, I could see him beating a lot of guys with that, and then guys would kick out of that, and then he'd hit the Panama Sunrise, and that's the be all end all. Yeah, you know what I mean. But uh, but for some reason, they've he's gone the other way. That the most spectacular move that he does, mm. he's just <laughs> waiting waiting for the cue here. Yep. But uh, you know, most spectacular move that he does, and uh, and they have it as the near fall so mm. it's weird uh, there's tony khan having his FaceTime on tv with jerry lynn oh jerry lynn getting in between here oh jerry don't be too too scared there oh uh, he dropped him on the producer's table yeah. there's a monitor it looks like a tv a i guess the these lights out matches are false count anywhere <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it lights uh, or what is it? Un unsanctioned match? Is that what this was? Yeah, the the idea. Yeah, like they call it a lights out, I guess, in in AEW. But all right, well, you know, I used to like uh, the idea with the lights out, and they would even do the thing where they would turn off all the lighting, yeah. and then they would just bring up the house lights. I think back in the day when they would do these quote unquote lights out match, and they would just mm. be like house lights, and guys would you know be it wouldn't be sanctioned, la, la, la. And that's kind of a cool idea. But then again, I guess you got this TV production. You can't really get away with doing that because it's just going to look shabby or something. Two small guys, right? Like doing the main event. Mm -hmm. uh, two, two guys with not very much muscle mass whatsoever and uh, rather thin. This is the whole thing. Look up that meme on social media with Sid and Vader from 93 and compare it to like because the, with the beach theme. yeah it's, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty hilarious well i mean you know it's funny when you look at these guys uh, and then you think we we talked about you know bret hart and Shawn michaels those guys you know a lot of people said those are the small guys at that time and it yeah. just keeps getting smaller i guess um well, it reminds in me a of way, testosterone thing. Yeah. It reminds me of what I told you about the yeah, T-levels, yeah. right? It's amazing. Mm. Well, I wonder, you know, what is uh, in in the rest of the world? Because, you know, you always – are people shrinking or are people growing or, or what are they doing? You know, it used to be like 
you know, people, what would it be like thousand years ago Oof. were like super short, you know, and, uh, and now, um, you know, people are like way huger than they used to be or something. And is it just leveling out or is it going the other way or, you know, what is it doing? Okay, well, well, there's your low blow. So they're on top of the, uh, what is it, the entrance? Yeah, uh, the entrance way. The entrance way, yeah. And uh, Orange Cassidy, who looks very much like um, a very regular Joe. Doesn't look like a, a star <laughs> when you look at him in the face. Oh, look at this. And uh, they're going to both. So what is this? Why is... Why is uh, uh, something there just didn't work out? Why was Cassidy just holding and hugging Adam Cole and Adam Cole was holding his hands together? What was that all about? Well, I guess, uh, the, well, he's hugging him because, of course, the, the best friends, they do that hug gimmick. Why was Adam Cole like crossing his wrists as he's being hugged? Well, I guess he was, uh, I'm, I'm not making excuses, but uh, I can see that he's, you know, trying to say that he had just got nutted, uh, hitting the nuts, and he was uh, holding his ball sack there. But, ooh, he, Adam Cole actually took a really nasty bump there. He went almost right over. Yeah. Hopefully he's uh, not seriously hurt there. But uh, regardless of a crash pad or whatnot, that uh, that didn't look fun to take. You think? But there you go. There's main event for this beach break. Uh, to me, it was I, I can, you know, I can see. I actually don't know. I haven't heard any reviews on this. That backstabber though, that was nice. That's my favorite part of the match. Mm. Um, I don't know when you got that that crazy ladder match at the beginning of your show, and then you end off. Yeah, they had to do some ridiculous stunts here, um, but. Uh, it does look pretty, you know, if you had uh, gone one way or the other in a, in a few feet, you, you would have been mm -hmm. in a bad situation. But, uh, you know, in, in one way, this is kind of a, at a pay-per-view level. In terms of the on paper, you know, where I say yeah. that you yeah. have this lights out, really heavy, uh, heavy with gimmicks and this really nasty stunt at the end. Uh, and then you got that crazy, again, ladder match that was heavy with the stunts at the start. Um, so one thing I'll say that they got this best friends here. You got Rocky Romero, who's of New Japan. He is a, I think he's in the office of New Japan as well these days. Also a member of the Chaos Faction. And they are mentioning a lot, this Chaos Faction on um, on uh, AEW, that uh, the best friends, Trent, and they're calling him Trent Beretta again. Yeah. Instead of just Trent with a question mark. So, because uh, I believe they're going to be doing some New Japan crossovers with this chaos group uh, in the up and coming. Uh, quite a bit more where that's Kasuchika Okada is over there, one of the top ranked wrestlers of the world. So, be really interesting to see him uh, walk out into AEW and see what he can do there. Um, but anyway. To me, I mean, it was a garbage match, and I think the people probably there live got a treat. 
but um, too much. Uh, like I don't know what it, it did. It remind me of like a WCW hardcore match or something. Uh, I don't know if you you know what I mean, but uh, back in the day, WCW was trying to do like ECW style matches, and it got yeah. almost like too glitzy and glamoury. That because um, that grit of ECW. That was something you couldn't uh, recreate on WW, WWE or F or WCW. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, final thoughts on that uh, that main event? Yeah, a lot of spots, and uh, the thing is that, like, it just it's it seems to me like if you do these matches, you know, week after week, you always have something spectacular on TV nowadays, right? They used to say it was spectacular for the uh, pay-per-views, but now it's, it's just like a weekly thing because of people's attention spans, once again, are like just completely decimated. So you got to give them something like big time after time after time. Um, I think it's too much. I think it's overkill because the thing is that they ain't selling anything for like the, the, they don't give meaning, enough meaning to what has just transpired. And you have to just go higher and higher, crazier and crazier, even if they had the crash pan or, uh, underneath the uh, stage for that uh, for that final bump. Still, I mean, it's like, you know, can you finish that match with anything less? Can you do it with a wrestling move? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why do you why do you have to go to these extremes that you you can't put away another smaller guy, right? With an actual signature or then like just a, a regular wrestling move. Why it's, it's, it, it's becoming too cute for its own good. I think this is the thing now it's spectacular to watch. Yeah. But where do you go from there? There comes a point where like, you can't go no higher. You can't get any more dangerous. You can't do this. You can't do that. So uh, without raising the risk factor of just seriously getting hurt. And, uh, it's just a matter of time. Some of these guys are going to start getting hurt more. They just will. Mm, that's true. Well, let's uh, let's talk about for just a second here because we're going to be closing shop in about uh, 15 minutes or under. Um, the Royal Rumble is this coming weekend, right? Uh, last yep. weekend yep. of January. And it starts the road to WrestleMania. Now, I'm going to just go on Google here. and I'm going to punch in Royal Rumble. I got it lined up here. Um, okay. But yeah, you get it, get it going there. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's a, uh, of course, Raw and SmackDown show, January 29th at, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, at this, the Dome of America, at America's Center, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, the next pay per view is actually the Elimination Chamber, uh, which I believe in is Saudi in Saudi Arabia. Arabia. So there you go. Well, the thing um, is with this, yeah. they, they, they've announced, like, it's a 30-man rumble, right? But they've announced 22 out of 30 guys. So they're leaving, they're leaving, um, unless on Friday they, all of a sudden with SmackDown, they uh, announce a whole bunch more. They're going to leave some sleepers uh, and some unannounced names. But the thing is that if I look at this list of guys that uh, the 22 out of 30 entrants in this uh, rumble match for the men – if I look at this on paper and I'm thinking who's who's ready for that top spot at, at Mania because somebody's going to be challenging for a title. And, and put it this way, if you're going to be doing Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for WrestleMania, it's not going to be title versus title. 
You know that already because the thing is that mm. Roman's going to have the title at Mania. Roman will not be – Brock will lose the title before Mania, maybe at the Elimination Chamber, maybe at something else. But the thing is they'll drop it off of him by hook or by crook, but he won't be doing the job. The, like if it's Elimination Chamber, they'll do something where like Roman will somehow fuck him. Uh, fuck him over so that he like ends up out of the match, maybe being counted out or carted out or, or, or maybe chasing Roman out or something. And then for whatever reason, they'll find by hook or by crook a way to get rid of uh, Lesnar from that match so that he's eliminated, but it's not by pinfall or by, or by submission. And therefore he's not a part of the uh, final equation when he loses the title so that he can just go up against Roman at mania uh, for, for the, um, for the for, for Roman's title, because the thing is that the winner of the Royal Rumble has to get a title shot. This is the whole thing, and it's the men's Rumble. They're not going to be challenging for the IC title or for the US title because those titles mean nothing. They're going to be challenging for one of the two top titles, either for the World or for the uh, Universal Championship. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to drop the WWE championship off of off of uh, Brock Lesnar before WrestleMania you have to do it because otherwise you can't have somebody challenge for the title and it, and it's not going to be Roman dropping the title before Mania it, it, you just know it it will not be Roman so it's going to be they're going to drop it off of Brock now look at this list the men's rumble You've got Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory, Sheamus, Johnny Knoxville from uh, Jackass, Damian Priest, AJ Styles, Big E, Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, Sami Zayn, Kofi Kingston, Kevin Owens, Omos, Randy Orton, Riddle, Chad Gable, Otis, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode. That's 22 guys, and none of them, I can't see any of these guys with the exception, and I think it would be just absolutely ballistically stupid to do this, but if you look at like how they built up almost now as being like uh-huh. the undefeatable force, he's green as fucking grass. He doesn't deserve to be in a top spot at Mania. He certainly is not ready for it, but he's the only one out of these 22 that you can see actually winning uh, on, unless you consider Austin Theory, which is you know Vince's new... Uh, sweetheart so to speak you know he's his uh, vested interest now but austin's really new to the brand is he ready for a title match at wrestlemania that's the real question is that's too much too soon too fast so maybe they might put him in there um you never know but i somehow feel that like your final four is austin theory is going to be in the final four they're just going to push this kid that hard. Maybe almost even could be in that final four. I don't know. But but Austin's going to be in the final four. But I think the guy that's going to win that Rumble is not on this list yet. He's not in the 22 out of 30. Mm. What do you think? What do you think? Johnny Knoxville's taking it. No, definitely not. That's kind of uh, the one interesting thing about the jackass in, in WWE collaboration was uh, i i watched um steve-o talking about when they did a collaboration with uh wwe and it was like go out there and you know just get beaten up by was it rikishi or something yeah and uh they were just like maybe on drugs or whatever it was but they of course didn't know what they were doing and rikishi was beating the shit out of them and um uh, they 
they were like too scared to sell. Mm. You know, obviously, they didn't know, but they were hurting and they were kind of like laughing. They were like nervously laughing because they were like terrified because mm. every time that they got beaten and then they would start to laugh because they couldn't, they, it was just some defense mechanism going off in their brains and they couldn't shut it off. Then Rikishi yeah. would get pissed and then he would just walk back out and just beat them even worse. And he said it was the worst beating he ever got in his life. And mm. he just, you know, whatever. But I don't know what the hell Johnny and I, it's just a publicity stunt, of course. Oh. Uh, I'm surprised there's not more uh, SmackDown guys. I'm assuming on Friday, tomorrow, that they're going to announce the SmackDown, more, much more, many more of the SmackDown uh, guys that's, yeah. that's going to be in this match. Um, what is it? Eight people need to fill it up. So I think they're going to leave, you know, two maximum three surprise spots. Mm -hmm. um, but either way, the one guy I'm, I'm kind of interested in terms of, uh, I wonder is, uh, and it, you know, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but Kevin Owens, mm -hmm. he just resigned with the company. Uh, he's a big deal in, in that way, but I wonder if part of his deal was, you know, I'll take one more WrestleMania moment and then, um, you know, I can kind of fade off in the existence or whatever, because there was a lot of people pretty damn sure that he was going to leave there. Uh, he, you know, and he was teasing a lot of stuff, probably just working people, but whatever. But I, mm. that's what I'm like, kind of wondering, you know, would that be mm. part of his deal that I'll stay, just give me, you know, some main event or whatever title match on WrestleMania, I'll lose no problem. But, mm. um, so that's kind of at the moment, my, my the only guy I can see there that might have even a reason. Uh, I get your almost thing actually because that's something that they would do, mm. you know, and uh, just to do it. But uh, because 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 he ain't been beat. Nobody's beat him yet. You know that yeah. That, that's the whole thing. That uh, if you think of like who's been built over the past year, this guy's been built. But he's just yeah. not ready. He's nowhere near ready. So mm. that's they'll do the deal where everybody swarms him and tosses him out, probably right away. You know, right away when he gets in there, or, or I don't know. But they they'll do you know that classic deal where they just swarm the guy. Everybody just gets on him and gets him out of there. That's that's my prediction. Yeah. But I'm wondering, you know, who who is going to be those uh, surprise entrants? You know, I'm sure there's going to be some interesting ones because they keep teasing that idea. And that we have seen also in um, the women's rumble, they got twenty-one out of thirty, so it's quite a few. And it looks to me like they are struggling to find women to get into this match. Um, well, let me say this: uh, there, there's actually one prediction I'll make for the men's match as far as who's going to yeah. take it. Um, and I say this because uh, they're running out of time with this guy, Goldberg. Ah, interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. maybe they'll do that. Yeah, they'll give it to Goldberg, and then they'll put Goldberg in the, the one of the title matches for Mania, uh, and then after that, that'll be his last match. Well, I but, bet uh, I bet he's in the Rumble. I, I I'm I'm sure I'm pretty sure of it that he'll he'll be in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen actually. Now now that I think about it, but um, yeah, for the women's Rumble though, I'm going to make my prediction right now. I'm going to call it right now. Yeah, what's it? It's going to be Lita. Lita's going to win the whole thing. Because that, that's a story now. They just started that story that uh, that you know Tr Trish Stratus. Uh, she wrestled her last match against Charlotte Flair um, in Toronto, right? Uh, and 
that was a couple of years ago, I think, about two or three years ago now, I think. And um, now that Lita is like best friends and has been best friends with, with Trish for a long time, uh, and she's a legend, you know, they're going to bring her back and she still can go, I think, uh, and they're going to go for broke. It's something that it hasn't been seen yet. It's WrestleMania worthy because the thing is that Lita's a big enough name to, to go to Mania with uh, against Charlotte. And I think that's going to happen. Charlotte's in this match too, but I don't think she's going to win. She's going to, but she'll be right at the end with uh, with Lita. But Lita's going to take this thing, and then it's going to Mania. It's going to be Lita and Charlotte. Hmm, that's interesting. No, nope. I kind of never even thought about it to be honest with you. No, nope. but it it does make a lot of sense. Um, I really don't know. I might even go with that. I mean. It, there's nobody, I mean, Rhea Ripley maybe, but I think she kind of, she's kind of lost in limbo. Maybe Bianca Belair, but mm-hmm. then they've already kind of, not used her up is, is not the right thing, but they, they have already gone through a program with her in the big spotlight. Yep. Um, you know, then you, of course, the, the big talk of the town as well uh, i guess before lita was announced in there was mickey james from uh smack uh, sorry what i'm saying impact. from uh from impact yeah it was a alumni hall of famer wwe she's apparently allowed to uh, enter with the uh the knockouts championship title from tn uh, from impact so that's, they made some deal surprising. there i don't know what that's, a, that's really surprising really yeah. surprising I'm not sure what's going on there. Is it, uh, you know, I was almost thinking like, are they doing that just to walk her out there? She gets tossed out immediately and it's kind of like a squash of the impact title. But I, I really, I don't think that they will do that. Because no. I don't think that uh, that impact would let, let it happen that way. So they probably have some kind of conditions. Um, yeah. I think that you you might be right now that I never even put it on the the table, but Lita, I can see that that sounds like a one of those Edge coming back and yep. uh, winning the Rumble kind of deals. So it's gonna be trust me, it's yeah. gonna that's 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 gonna be it because the thing is look look at who's in this Rumble for the woman, right? There's and twenty one out of thirty entrants been announced, and I think we're running out of time here, but uh, let's go really quickly. Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash. Dana Brooke, Carmella, Queen Zelina, Tamina, Shotzi Blackheart, Natalia, Aliyah, Naomi, Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's the champion, by the way. So, uh, Nikki Bella, Brie Bella, Lita, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, Summer Ray, uh, Mickey James, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan. We've already seen Bianca, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And she won that woman's rumble last year. It's not going to be her again. So it's not going to be any one of these like other chicks that I mentioned, because the thing is they're not like it, it, it just for WrestleMania. It's just not there. That, 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 that name value just isn't there. Lead is the only one really honestly. And Nikki and Brie Bella, they might be coming back, but there's just like, you know, cause they have that total Bella show. Um, they got to push that. So I, I really, I really feel, you know, it's going to be Lita. Yeah, well, I'm down with that. I mean, uh, she looked great, uh, at least on the pictures that I saw of her um, on SmackDown. So, you know, why Why the heck not? She's She was a real hard worker back in the day, and I'm sure she, you know, could do it, could do it still. 
and uh, it's a good thing in terms of WWE. I think they they do they had a lot of bad PR with the uh, kind of the idea that you know the um, that they're lowering the age for women uh, yes. to join uh, to be recruited down to like what is it like twenty three years old or something. Then the men are up at twenty seven, and then same with the uh, you know the maximum age. Of the woman versus the man, it's uh, and I think they got a lot of heat from that. So I wonder if they'll do the this politically correct move in in that way in today's market and and put um one of their alumni, you know, kind of quite a bit uh, above in terms of age of everybody else here on the card. Uh, so why not? I mean, uh, I think she's. I remember back in the day, she she was great. She was a badass chick, that's for sure. So, I'd be down with that. And um, and yeah, and the uh, rest of the stuff going on Royal Rumble is uh, Lesnar versus Lashley. And I think that uh, that was one match that Lashley desperately wanted to have. So now here he gets it. I'm pretty sure Lesnar's going to win. Although they did a big tease of how you know uh, when Lashley got him in that uh, the. Uh, Hurt the, the the hurt lock, yeah, yeah. That um, you know, it would have been game over kind of deal. But you know, it's a good good thing to tease for for a match like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, both both women know how to work, but um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting match, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Miz and Maurice. And I am not interested in that at all. No nope. mixed tag match could do nope. without that. Should be on the pre-show. Uh, Reigns and Seth freaking Rollins in the most likely main event. So and Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso are barred from the ringside. So I don't oh, think it matters. Uh, no, and two heels against one another. So this is one of the rare times where WWE does heel versus heel. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, like when, uh, how many times have has Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns actually had had some uh, singles matches together, especially even for the title belt? So I think this is old hat again. The only thing that's really new on this is Lesnar and Lashley and Dewdrop and Lynch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but whatever, you know, I don't know. I guess they don't have anybody else, but uh, yeah, that's it. Yep. A card subject to change, everybody. But anyway, mm-hmm. anything else going on that you want to mention before we uh, shut her down? No, I think we're good. Are we still – we still got a few minutes left, or what do we got? A few minutes, yeah, and the old timer. We got two minutes. Or no, one two minute minutes. now. Well, yeah. then I think we should just close shop. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging in there with us this week with Shooting the Shizat. We'll be back with you next week with more Shizat, and uh, we'll be covering – the Royal Rumble next week. So on behalf of my co-host Dylan Broda, I am the Rebel Starbuck. We'll catch you next week, folks. Good night, everybody.